Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Podcast. To find out more about the Worklife Hub and to listen to other episodes, please go to www.worklifehub.com. Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Hub Podcast. I am your host, Agnes Uheretsky. If this is the first time that you are tuning in, let me just say a few words about this podcast. We speak to authors, researchers, business thought leaders, for them to share their knowledge and insight on work-life balance, leadership, culture change and organizational development. In our work at the Worklife Hub, we help companies reform their workplace to create a culture that embraces diversity and work-life balance. We are passionate about building vibrant and engaging workplaces that are great for employees and customers. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do this via Twitter at WorkLifeHub, on our LinkedIn page or on our website. We're always happy to hear how you like the podcast or any other ideas that you would like to share with us. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the listeners of the WorkLifeHub podcast. This is Agnes Uheretsky, your host, with yet another episode. And this time we have um, quite a special guest, I would say, Neil Usher, who is joining me from London. Hi, Neil. Hello. Morning. And the reason why I said special is because a lot of the listeners uh, who have been to the Work 2.0 conference last year or the Agile Working Conference in London just this year, 2018, and are going to go to the Work 2.0 conference again in April in London, uh, are all really looking forward to uh, hear Neil speak. And also, um, I was very, very impressed with your um, presentation last year because you really tell it how it is, I think, and you have such hands-on experience, but also take no nonsense when it comes to workplaces. So... I'm really looking forward to, to our conversation and let me start by just uh, introducing you a little bit, Neil, to the audience. So you're an internationally experienced senior property workplace facilities and change management leader and really skilled in all areas of the property life cycle. You've been in this industry for 25 years and worked all over the world, originally starting out in facilities management and then later uh, moving to workplace, workplace director at Sky. And you were also the um, mastermind of these multiple award-winning Sky Central offices of the Sky Broadcaster Corporation in London. And among all of this, you also run and write for a very in- influential blog, which is Work Essence. Um, as I said, you speak regularly at conferences and events. And your book, the Elemental Workplace just came out this month. Um, so congratulations on that. So Neil, may I ask you now to maybe tell listeners about your passion and, and what drives you and how you got into this um, area, into this sector of, of workplaces? So I've always been amazed in, in sort of property workplace facilities management, just how much our work touches people's lives. Um, the ability to positively impact people's working lives is is incredible uh, in terms of usually the size of your team compared to the the size of your sort of colleague base, if you like. 
Um, seeing something tangible as a result of your work uh, and seeing how that impacts people's lives has, has just always been amazing. And e even from the very earliest, smallest projects I did for uh, half a dozen people um, way back in the early days of facilities management, um, just sort of really made me realize that this was a business I wanted to be in and a business I wanted to stay in. Uh, and, th and that magic has never gone away, really, um, from projects the size of Sky Central right down to just, just a tiny little bit of work that one could do in a, in a very small space that, uh, that makes people's working lives simpler, easier. Um, I mean, you know, this, is, this has just kept me going for the, for over the years. And on a few occasions, I thought I might want to do something different. And I've looked to move out of the business, but I've always come back and I've always stuck at it. So thank you very much for this, this introduction. This was very interesting and I especially enjoyed when you said that the magic has never gone away. Would you say that um, this is perhaps because this is a fantastic time to be in this business with the development of technology and knowledge and sensors and, and also an awakening about the human aspects of work moving out from this Taylorist um, idea about work, that, that this is a, a fantastic platform for, for experts such as you to, 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 to tap into a lot more opportunities than before? Um, I think it's always been a fantastic time for workplace in, in the whole time that I've been in it. And uh, you know, th through, through those almost, this is year number 26, there have been some, been some sort of high points and some low points through that. But I think, uh, you know, the ability to make a difference has always been there. We might want to come back to the Taylorism point. Um, I don't necessarily think Taylorism has gone away and we could perhaps touch on that. But um, you know, I can remember in the very earliest days meeting with a group of people who ran, you know, some really amazing workplaces like uh, BT Cellnet in Slough, as was then, um, Coopers and Lybrand, which became PwC and Embankment Place, some of the leaders of these property teams uh, used to meet in a in a small group that I was invited into probably my first year in facilities management. And that opened my eyes from a very early stage to what was possible and what could be done. And people were working with Agile Workplace then. You know, we, we, we might not have had the technology we have today, but, you know, these were highly flexible workplaces. There, there were people coming and going constantly. There were uh, there were sort of concierge desks. There were there were high and focused levels of of colleague service being delivered. So, I mean, these were spaces that would put a number of uh, workplaces today to shame. And this was this was over 25 years ago. So, I, I think it's always been a fantastic time in workplace. I think what's quite interesting is just just how much um, the sort of consciousness has been awakened in the last couple of years as to the, the positive contribution workplace can make. And I think that's probably the key difference is that sort of business leaders on on mass really are at last realizing this. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of investment, a lot of thought going into workplace now. But uh, the challenge is far from over. Um, and, and we still have to we still have to maintain the level of intensity in terms of uh, making sure that that, that consciousness remains. Um, I wouldn't want to think that the current um, focus on workplace is a passing fad, particularly after all the effort that a number of people have made over the last 25 years to, to bring it onto the agenda. I wanted to pick up on this point um, and ask you this already when I was preparing for the podcast, because as you said, you know, there have been these workplaces 25 years ago. The areas that we at the Work-Life Hub are particularly focused on work-life balance and work flexibility has also been researched uh, and some workplaces have done amazing things already in the 70s and the 80s. But uh, despite 
you know, all this time going by and lots of available research, lots of data, information that tells us this, this is the right way. Um, I wanted to take your view maybe a little bit on the obstacles or, or still remaining challenges. Why do you think some organizations or sectors maybe are so slow in embracing these solutions, embracing the obvious? I think the difficulty is that um, we... Is, is is the last point you said there is that is that there's an assumption that it's the obvious i think that for a lot of people there are far more important things going on in their organizations or their lives um i think that uh, you know there's 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 also a feeling in some quarters that enough is being done but um i think it sort of you know if, if we go to the other end of the spectrum with those those organizations that are putting a lot of time and effort into things like well-being um one of the things I always find interesting is is our is our reluctance to critically analyse things in this business. Um, we, you know, well-being is a, is is the current vogue bandwagon. Um, it's gathering some pace. It's almost like you know people are waking up thinking, well, no one's ever done any of this in the last several decades, so we have to do as much as possible. Um, I don't think anyone's really critically evaluating whether doing too much can actually be uh, counterproductive as well. Um, it's almost it's almost like well you know th this isn't anything staggeringly new. It's not like we've discovered something buried away for many years. A lot of organisations have been doing a lot of this over time. I, I I can't remember a time in 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 my time in this industry where we haven't focused on uh, elements of well-being um, in, in any organisation. You know, if, in, if you look back at the the dot-com bubble. I mean, we were providing concierge services. We were we were looking to do as much as possible for people. We were providing gyms and fantastic cafes, and you know, we were looking at sort of you know, just just making sure that buildings operated in a safe and healthy manner, 24 hours a day, because people worked all the hours. I mean, we were doing all of this stuff back in sort of you know 2003, 2004, and it, and it and it's so it's not it's not something radically new, and uh, it, it it's very welcome. I'm, I'm glad that organizations are focusing on it. Um, I think we still need to focus on the right things. Uh, there was an article this morning that I didn't get a chance to read, but I, I will go back and read that said that a lot of organizations are focusing on well-being but are missing anything to do with mental health. Um, I think you know there are some there are still some frontiers to to in this sort of initiative, really, this well-being initiative to to have a a closer look at. Um, but I think we just need to be careful that that we don't just, you know, completely uh, sort of overdo it, really, overcook it um, and not think this through. There are, you know, we, we want to make sure that people are resourceful and, uh, and you know, sort of, and are, are still able to function as human beings in a workplace. You know, I, I, don't, I think there's some really interesting research to be done in terms of the limits of well-being <clears throat> as an initiative within a, within a workplace environment. Where does it start to become counterproductive, if if it does at all? But that's the sort of critical thinking I think we're missing. We just need to understand before we before we latch onto a bandwagon and and just sort of, you know, drive it into the horizon. We need to we need to understand whether 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 that's you know is is whether there are any limits to it, whether there are any whether there are some sort of components of that that need to be looked at in any more depth. Um, I I really enjoyed. Um this this um, section here what you what you were talking about and it made me reflect on on something that i'm just trying to conceptualize which is that workplaces 
perhaps need to uh, exercise a dual role, um, especially the reading some of the you know neuroscience and Kahneman's work about how we actually function in the the knowledge economy, and and I, I tend to think that workplaces need to both make people quite relaxed and quite at ease, so that they can really unleash their creativity, unleash their potential. But there needs to be also some some level of pressure, some level of excitement, so that you know they want to do it and they're motivated and 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 you know trying to accomplish things you know quite timely and 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 under some sort of pressure um do you think that it, it workplaces can really exercise these um these levers or pull these levers to to energize people to make people feel sense of belonging not everybody gets this i think you know the real kind of power of of the actual physical space um no, that's a great question um in the book i i use um sort of uh, six words beginning with e to to help uh, those in this industry or or in sort of business generally who feel a, a workplace improvement is necessary to to build their case um it's it's about sort of creating the why um and some of the ideas that of uh, that you've talked about there are are comprise some of those six e's um things like uh, sort of energizing the space and, and giving people energy um, but also back to some really fundamentals like uh, like efficiency the efficiency of the space um, you know most organizations uh, not all but most are in a are in a, are in a sort of business um, environment most of them are, are looking to make profit um, you know they want their sort of sense of purpose to go with their performance but there still needs to be a little bit of pressure on on the resources that the organization is devoting to this um but in all of these things it's always about balance and i think with what the organization does for an individual and what the organization then leaves people alone to do for themselves is part of that balance as well um just about every spend everything I come across in this business is, you know, it's very rarely an extreme answer one way or the other. There's usually a, there's usually a delicate balance to be, to be maintained and you've suggested it there. Um, so I think the organization needs to, you know, needs to make sure that people's working lives are simple. They're easy. That all barriers and obstacles are removed, um, that people can get what they want when they need to get it, but that they still allow them the time and space, the white space, if you like, around them, themselves and their working lives to be able to make the decisions for themselves that they need to make. Um, uh, it's, we don't want to get to a situation where sort of everything is predetermined, everything is laid out. Um, some of the more Yes, and that's really interesting with some of what you said at the outset about <clears throat> sort of technology with sensors and and the like. Um, you know, I I sort of I really do believe that whilst sort of predictive technology is 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 useful in a space, you know, I I don't want my coffee sitting on the counter when I walk up to the cafe because my phone signal has been detected and my usual coffee's been made and the barista just hands it to me and it's automatically paid for and and I then and I then go. I, I sort of like that process of stopping. It makes me stop. It makes me think. It makes me look around. It makes me see who's around. Um, I enjoy being in that space. Um, I used to say that there was one of my favourite little spots in Sky Central was the cafe just by reception. Um, watching people coming into the building in the morning was was quite hypnotic. You would you would sit there with your coffee and and you know 
10, 15, 20 minutes would go by as you literally were just sort of, you were transfixed on the movement of people before your eyes through this amazing space. And, you know, that was a really important time of the day, that, that, that sort of clear, clearing of the head, that, that sort of exercise of per, that personal decision making, which is that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just lose myself in this moment. Um, no one's telling me where I need to be. No one's, you know, there, there's no technology predicting what I should be doing next or where I should be. I'm just making that decision for myself. So I think this really is all about balance, like so many things. And, uh, and that <clears throat> applies to the, 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 the well, to well-being as well. Um, and in the book with the 12 elements, I, I, I sort of, I, I say, look, in a way they are a well-being framework. Um, but eight of these elements are those which are really sort of, you know, the, the, the occupant of the space wouldn't really, consciously know about unless they were particularly interested in in building systems but these are the these are the contributions that they would make to your to your sort of personal well-being because the air quality is good the water quality is good the food's good and all those sorts of things they're just they're just they're just there they're there for you um you don't have to interact with them at all um but there are other four elements that enable you to make better decisions um, you know, if I, I say in the book, you know, if, if someone really wants to have a pie for lunch, they're going to go and find a pie somewhere. They're going to they're going to have a pie if they want to. Um, you know, you can't make them eat a quinoa salad. So at the end of the day, you know, it, it's that it, there's got to be some room for human beings to still be human beings. I guess if I've got one concern with with the way that this is moving at the moment is it's it's almost assuming that we 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 don't want to be humans anymore, and I. And, and it's a strange paradox because we keep talking about the human workplace. You know, this is all about people. And yet here is a whole load of technology that takes away your, 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 your sort of, you know, your, your self-determination and your, 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 your opportunity to make decisions for yourselves. So I think we have to, we have to just think that through. And it's, I'm not suggesting in any way that, that sort of what is happening is necessarily wrong. But what I'm saying is that, that we need critical thinking at all stages of what we do. And invariably, when that critical thinking has been applied, it comes back to a point of balance. And I think it will with some of the some of the technologies we're developing, and I think it will with the sort of a lot of the well-being initiatives. It'll be a fine balance between providing enough for people to enable them to to be safe, healthy, uh, to have everything they need in a space, and allowing them some space to be themselves and to be and to be human beings. You know, unpredictable, irrational. Um, spontaneous, creative, all of those sorts of things. I love the, that you circled back to this notion of balance, because I wanted to pick up on this also earlier in the conversation. This is one of the issues that I find most difficult when working with clients, working with employers, working even with policymakers, because somehow we, or as humans, I don't know, they, we like either or answers when we have to just decide between two things you know open plan or closed off offices um, flexible work or telework you know and and i think that probably the knowledge that is emerging and the more we come forth with breaking stigmas you know around mental health around well-being around diversity is that there is no A or B type solution. It's, it's all figuring out on the continuum 
in the middle, in the messy bit, what is going to work for you, what is going to work for your organization. And, and somehow I just think that that's quite difficult because also when you said earlier, I think it takes quite a special skill or listening, empathy to be able to find this this balance right which is not one or other but but a mix of possible things that we can we can apply um yeah i mean that's that that's really interesting in terms of the sort of our our, our need almost to to impose models we, we we have to put things in boxes and label them to be able to understand them and um, you know what what, what what's quite interesting with um, the sort of the activity-based workplace or the agile workplace um, you know we've never really fixed on a on a particular name for it as such but that sort of taking open space looking at um, introducing a range of different work settings enable people to to move between those to choose the setting that best suits their activity um, I mean, what's what what's quite interesting with that really is that it's it's very rarely applied as a pure principle um, it's off. There are often most successful workplaces now are often a, an unconscious hybrid of many different styles of space that have been that have been applied in the past. You'll still find a few private offices. You'll still find a few dedicated desks. You'll still find people working in ways that we would recognise 25 years ago. Um, but that's not a problem because uh, an agile or an activity-based space recognises different activities and responds to those. Um, and so. You know, it, it's getting more and more difficult to pin down, um, you know, what, what, when you walk into a work workplace, exactly what what it is anymore. Um, you know, in the and it's probably 20 years ago, it was either traditional or it was open plan. Um, but 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 now I think that's in keeping as well with with something I'm finding quite interesting, which is a real blurring of boundaries between different types of space that we encounter in the, in the broader sense. So leisure, hotel, retail, uh, corporate, um, you know, all of these different space types are blurring because we perform activity. We don't perform our activities exclusively in those spaces any longer. It's sort of really started with people starting to use hotel receptions as meeting spaces. And they realized that they could have a meeting in a hotel lobby by just buying a cup of tea. You know, that was that was that's all it cost was, and you were welcomed in, and you could use the toilet and you know use the facilities, and and then later came the ability to get onto the Wi-Fi as well, and suddenly some of these spaces became viable workplaces. But you know we see that all the time now, in particular now as we see a lot of um, sort of leisure activities. We talked about the well-being initiatives. A lot of organisations are running that involves bringing in. Uh, facilities to enable activities that occur in spaces other than the workplace. So those boundaries are are now blurring. We we're able to take our kit and you know go out into the urban environment, and we might find we've done most of our work during the day in a in a hotel, in a cafe, in a gym, um, and not really gone very close to a corporate office if if that's the way we like to work. And that you know still still applies to a more privileged few than the than, than the many. Um, but the ability exists there to be able to do that. So everywhere we go, we're seeing boundaries softening, blurring um, between our patterns of behavior, between the types of space we occupy. We're getting to a stage fairly soon where it'll just be people in space. You know, we will be, we will be, people will just be, um, I don't want to say space, I don't mean the sort of starry firmament. I mean, the, the uh, it'll just be people using um, a variety of diff yeah, physical space to do what they need to do as, as and when they need to do it. 
Um, uh, and so you know, imposing patterns on that, actually describing what's going on is going to become increasingly difficult. And what you'll then see is you'll see balance in perfect operation um, because people will be able to make those decisions for themselves and will be able to balance their days in, in, in the way they want to. Yeah, so from a sort of conceptual point of view, it's going to be quite hard to, to actually sort of observe and describe how we're, how we're going about our, our working lives. Um, one of our mottos that we, we often use is, you know, bring your whole self to work. And, it, you know, it's a little bit like when you're at home, you don't think about where you do what. So you cook in the kitchen, obviously, but you may also work in the kitchen. You may have a Skype conference in the kitchen. You go to your bed to sleep, but you may also be working in your bed or, you know, so it's, it's, it's a little bit this freedom of being where and when you naturally feels the best to you at the workplace, but this also requires quite a lot of letting go, I think, of of this uniformization of, you know, showing up to work and becoming another person, becoming your work persona, but also for CEOs, managers to to be much more open to this uh, autonomy of, of the people. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I... I agree entirely. It's we, it's it's one of the developments I think that is incredibly welcome in the last decade or so. I think I think this is one one area where um, you know it, it really had to happen. I don't think it's particularly got anything to do with technology, so it's quite nice to find a, a beneficial trend that is completely non-tech. Um, but this is just really all about people people being themselves wherever they are, whatever they're doing, and and understanding that. I think from tracing back to you know, more years than I can care to mention, but my first job, having left university and, and gone gone into an office, it was it was the you know cruelest shock I could imagine really at the time, which was you know suddenly thinking, oh my god, you know, is is this what it's all been about? Is this it now for the rest of my working life? Because it was a it was a horrible experience um, compared to the sort of very social nature of university life and the freedom that I enjoyed to make those decisions. Um, suddenly there I was, I was given my desk in this, in this office with a, you know, about the only good thing about it was it had a good view. But other than that, really, it was just, it was just a really almost sedated environment and, and people behaved very differently. Um, and I've always been fascinated by sort of what happens when people come through the revolving door, the language they use, the way they write, the way they interact with one another, the sort of things they do, you, you know, it's, but I think the difficulty is that for many years, people just did what they thought they needed to do. They thought that's what you did when you went to work. So, you know, as younger people came through the door, they just they just sort of followed, you know, they modeled behavior. Um, I, I talk about the modeling of behavior all the time in what I do. You know, it's 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 amazing how unconsciously we we just start copying what other people do. And it's, you know, nobody gives you an instruction kit when you first start work saying you have to speak like this. This is your glossary of terms. Um, you know, this is the this is what you will wear. This is the way you will be. Um, I mean, it's amazing now, but but also at times quite quite amusing seeing you know, really sort of formal property companies in the city of London suddenly going business casual, you know, and, and the sort of the discomfort that a lot of people are feeling about having to actually make a choice of what to wear in the morning rather than just sticking on a blue or grey suit and a shirt and tie. Um, you know, it's not just about is it a blue tie today or a red tie. It, it, it's a, it, it's been it's been interesting, but it's 
I think that's part of the process that people are going through and kind of rediscovering themselves as well and, and realizing that, hey, I, I can make these decisions. And if I if I adopt the right attitude, it's actually good fun. Um, and and so I, I think the the effect of this will be felt for a long time and will be quite far reaching because it, it's it's coming right down to the to the sort of very nature of the the individual. Um, but in because it, it it's not just about bringing your whole self to work. It's I think part of that process is almost for a lot of people rediscovering themselves and rediscovering that what who they are what they're about and and their self-expression <clears throat> and then you have initiatives like working out loud um, these sorts of things which you know from which which also play into the same the same movement if you like um around people not being afraid to to talk about what they're doing to show people what they're doing uh and to be proud of their work and and uh, willing to listen and very open to suggestions and and uh, and that's where the collaborative spirit starts to starts to be created willingly and voluntarily rather than because someone's told you to so i think all bringing the whole self to work is a is a really broad idea and a really broad subject and as i say it's it's hugely welcome now focusing a little bit back on the book you have structured it i really really i thought that you have really mastered the art of taking away um, the superfluous. Uh, in a way, it's, it's you know, the elemental workplaces, I find it very lean, very, very easy to read. Um, so you structured it, there are the C six E's, which are for building the business case, and then there are these 12 elements that um, workplace owners, organizers, whatever, need to be, um, you know, mindful of. I wanted to ask you a specific thing. While you were writing this book, did you discover something new in the process of writing that you didn't think of before? I think just just loads of stuff more than I could probably even recall. Uh, it was a so actually sort of finally stopping after twenty five years in this business, and as I say, a lot more years before that doing other things. Um, it was probably the only time I'd ever stopped for any self-reflection, to be honest. Um, and then I started with a, I started with a contents page, which ended up being a bit different from the final contents page. Um, and just, I, I do remember the day I sat down with a with a blank screen and said, right, here we go, going to start to write a book, because um, you have to start somewhere. There has that day has to occur, and uh, <laughs> and I, I guess the. You know, things like the six E's, you know, they, they started with Frank Duffy's three E's and I wasn't sure how many E's I'd end up with. Um, and that was just a process of replaying a lot of what I'd been through in, in my career. Um, the 12 Elements started as a blog post back in 2013, really, as the, sort of the germ of the idea. Um, so it was quite a challenge turning a 500-word blog post into a 50,000-word book. Um, I had another challenge the other day where I had to sort of turn it back into a 20-minute presentation. So, you know, it's all of these things are, are quite challenging in their own way. But um, so the what was out there for a little while. Uh, it started out as 10 elements and became 12 because, as I tested this in a sort of in a kind of presentational format or, a, or an interactive format, um, a couple more emerged uh, that, I, that I felt I really needed to include. So that was, I guess, the elements bit was the bit that I'd already worked out, and I learned a few little bits. Um, I think the exploration of the why 
And the reason for that was I thought I'd probably have a few pages. Um, I ended up with a, you know, a, a section of the book um, because I was touring someone around Sky Central and, and they just stopped me and said, well, why do I need a fantastic workplace? Uh, and I thought, well, of course you do. You know, I just sort of intuitively thought, well, why wouldn't you? And I thought, oh, if I'm going to write a book about this, I really need to explain why you need a fantastic workplace. So I had to find some kind of model. I'm, I'm quite, as you'll see from having, you know, having to use the periodic table, I, I, in this sort of fairly crazy world with lots, lots talked about in terms of workplace, I'm, I'm quite one for imposing a, a, a sort of simple structure on things. Um, it was only the other day, actually, that I, that when a, a friend of mine was talking to me about it, that I realised that I'd imposed a fairly rigid structure on the why to be able to think about it, to be able to remember it, model it. Um, uh, a structure on the what, but I hadn't actually imposed any structure at all or modelling on the how. So the how ended up as a as a series of threads, but but didn't really have any um, sort of overall modelled coherence. That's probably not a bad thing. Um, you know, the book can't just be a whole series of, of of one model after another. It would it would probably be quite boring as well. Um, but but so the how is a little more amorphous, if you like. Uh, but. But uh, I, I was learning all the way, and you know, it just, just I, I had some fantastic peer reviewers who gave me some great ideas. Um, quite interestingly, I, I don't know who the copy editor was. The publisher arranged for the copy edit, but but they were obviously a seriously smart person because they they challenged a few of my facts and they pointed me at some some stuff that I'd never read before. I mean, I just the thing that blew me away more than anything else was Parkinson's Law. I just thought it was the most amazing book. It's, it's available free now. It's, it's from the 50s, but it was just there was, there's a whole section on workplace in there, and I didn't even know about it. No, it, it is just it is well worth everybody in workplace going back and reading that. Um, and and it just it just it was it was quite amazing. Basically, what Parkinson's Law was saying was that you know those organisations who end up with a fantastic workplace are doomed. You know, because and that sort of goes back to some of the, you know, sort of what I'd heard with, with a few organisations where they were, where we were thinking about why we need a fantastic workplace was that, you know, some some business leaders feel that their organisation was born in the dust and the dirt, and you know, and if they if they start if they start building themselves lavish workplaces or even semi lavish workplaces, then that original entrepreneurial entrepreneurial challenger spirit will disappear um <clears throat> and that somehow they'll lose their their essence and they will they will no longer be the organization they were um a, a colleague i used to work with used to say that the minute that an organization writes a book about itself and you see it on the coffee table and you see the flagpoles outside it's finished it's over and that's there's a there's an element of the parkinson's law book in there as well so i think you know even though I've set out these things as the as making the case and why we need a fantastic workplace, I, I still don't think that work is entirely done. And I still think there are some some ideas we need to contend with. So, yes, you know, that's a very long answer to your question. But um, it was a it was a fascinating learning experience. I've I've seen several things I'd like to have written differently. I found lots more since that I'd like to have included. And I guess the book you know, is a perpetual beta trial. I always say that a workplace is never finished. It's always in, but it's always in beta. Uh, and therefore, you know, it, by sort of logic, so is the book. 
it's it was an amazing it was an amazing experience doing it and i've i've definitely got the bug i've i've already got some ideas for a second book that that uh, that i think kind of needs to be written now um so i keep seeing gaps and and you know one of the things that was quite interesting if i may say at the outset when when i first sort of made the case to the publisher for for the book taking the blog post and saying well how would it be a book um was that there's virtually nothing else out there that does this uh, and, and you think, well, how much money is actually being spent on creating workplaces, managing workplaces? How many people in, are actually involved? And there's no guide to creating a fantastic workplace. There's nothing else out there that that, that says this. Um, so if you were quite if you were quite new to this subject, as a lot of people are, because there's a lot of people from different disciplines now being now that workplace is being regarded as as important. Um, people are coming into this area from a number of other disciplines um and you know where do they go for that initial insight that that sort of grounding of information that will help them uh, be productive quickly and 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 think this through quickly if if you were to rely on what you find on the internet you you you'd end up with the oddest creations you know and 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 the oddest rationale yeah there's it's there's so the part of the idea as well with the book was to pull together a lot of what is already out there um, and I and I'm very aware that some of what's in the book were things that I latched onto or, or or thought through very early, and I'm sort of you know conscious that because I've been sort of active in this area for a long time that I'm replaying some of the stuff that I was almost involved in initially. Um, but but actually it's it's you know whilst there I think there are some some new contributions through the book there's also just sort of collecting together for people in particular who are new to this business um in a in a what I think is a fairly easy read uh, and I've tried to make it easy and I've tried to take out all of the terminology and anything that would get you lost in this uh to make it understandable um and and just as a sort of starting point you know if if you were thinking of getting involved in the world of workplace or someone's nominated you for the leadership of a project where would you go to start i think the book was needed you know whether it was me that wrote it or someone else i think you know that that sort of that that was a huge gap you know because you almost go from nothing to you know 80 pound academic books with you know 30 different contributors and you know and and who's you know who's starting out is going to read that that kind of text they they're important but for those who are seasoned professionals not for those who are starting on the journey Exactly. Um, we had one question from a listener, from Mark Ketchlove, actually, of Herman Miller, who asked, um, and perhaps this is a, a good time to ask you this, put, you, put this question to you. Uh, so the award-winning space that you created for Sky, Sky Central, he says it's an amazing place. But now looking back on it, is there one thing that you would have done differently? <sighs> It's, it, it is a question I, I do get asked in terms of doing things differently. I think that, um, I mean, first of all, it was a massive team effort. I was part of a bigger team as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I had a, a big team looking at the workplace element in particular. Um, I think the, the, the sort of the, the talent that collectively we pulled together and, uh, and the, the thinking we applied to that was 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 fantastic I, I think probably the for me the thing that sort of sneaked through that you know as, as a particular type of space that I would have included were probably a lot you know a lot more spaces just purely for one person um and I, and I really don't mean and I really don't mean the sort of 
horrible little phone booths that a lot of people building to spaces. I, I, I just, I just don't get that at all. Um, but I, I, I do think that, you know, just, just sort of one or, or two person sort of diner booths or, or, or kind of little, little sort of nooks and crannies that could have been created. I think we, you know, we, the, I always used to say it's a great place, place to sort of to bump into, to find and, and meet colleagues, but it's also a fantastic place to get lost. Um, I, I, I think I just would have liked to have dialed up the ability to get lost a little more as in not just get lost, but actually hide. Um, so, because I, I think that, you know, again, back to balance, it's, we, we spend roughly half our time in collaborative activities and half our time in, in sort of focused, quiet individual work. Um, I, I think just probably some spaces to hide would have been would have been quite useful. So the way you hid effectively in a space as grand as that was you you just sort of went for a walk really. Um, but at some point in time you you do need to stop or you do need to open a laptop or or sit down or or you know write some notes or something along those lines which you might just want to do in your own individual space. Um, so I think that's probably the the area that sort of looking back at the balance of work settings that we created in Sky Central and the and the um, and the way it all hung together and the way it was given the cohesion that it was through the through the amenities that were provided in there, um, I, I think most of it was was bang on. I just think those little hiding places would have would have would have been just like the the final complement to all of that. Great. Now. Uh, before we go to the last question, uh, can I ask you, Neil, to tell listeners wh what are the platforms, websites they can find out more about your work? Um, yes, by all means. Thank you. Um, so the blog site, workessence.com, has been going for quite a long time. Um, I just renewed the hosting yesterday, so uh, sorry, but you've got another year of it. Um, uh, and so, and there's about 250 posts on there. Uh, one of the things I did actually before I before I wrote the book is I went back and reread everything I'd written just in case there was some there was some stuff in there that was usable. Uh, I think the first year's worth of posts were quite a difficult read, uh, but I, I I obviously at some point kind of hit my stride and 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 it got easier to read. Um, but but that was that was quite useful actually. I don't think I could have written the book if I hadn't have been writing the blog for so long because I definitely noticed a change in my style and, and an ease with some some forms of expression that, that, that helped me. Um, so if anyone out there is thinking of writing a book, I, I would suggest sort of trialing your, just getting your sort of tone of voice lexicon right through a, through a blog first. Um, I, I set up a, with the help of the publisher, I set up a, a, a site for the book, um, which is really just a sort of an intro to the book and has got some links through uh, where, to, where to obtain it. Um, that's just elementalworkplace.com, um, and, and as I say, that's that's a very quick read. Um, there's nothing else particularly going on there for the time being. It's just a vehicle to to say a little more about the book. Um, the book's available on Amazon. Um, I believe it's available in a digital format as well, but it's certainly available uh, as a, as a paper book. And I say in the book itself, I I quite like the idea of it being a paper book. Um, I'm delighted with how the sort of designers and illustrator Simon Heath and the publishers have put it all together it it sort of it feels right um and it looks right and I think the whole the whole thing is sort of hung together and I don't think you get that from a from an e-reader at all and I kind of like the idea um a friend of mine uh, who's coming over for the launch tomorrow um and Marie Ratray said that it's already got loads of notes in the margin and you know pages turned over and sticky notes in it and those sorts of things and that's how I'd 
that's how I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. So, you know, coffee rings on it and, uh, you know, and, and you know, all just just lived and used, really. I'd, I'd like to see it. So I, I kind of hope that people will buy the paper copy, not the electronic version. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And and I definitely think that that's, that's one of the books where you just want to go back over and over again when you come upon this or that or the other element or question and you can always refer back to it. So it's it's really, really well done. Thank you. Um, and now coming to the last question, which is always the same on the Work Life Up podcast. If I could ask you, Neil, to give one advice to a CEO who is perhaps waking up to this idea of the importance of the workplace, what would be kind of your, your launching, your starting advice to them? Um probably what on earth are you waiting for get on with it um you know your people deserve better if you walk around your own workplace and and you are not happy to work in it then there's every chance that your people are not happy working there either um you know it this needn't be expensive if you follow the approach i've set out um and the impact will you know it'll amaze you and it'll amaze your people so let's get on with it get on with it now fantastic well thank you so much neil for for being a guest on the podcast and um, sharing really such a wealth of insight with with the listeners and i just want to wish you really the best of success for your book and for your work also in general thank you very much agnes i really appreciate being invited uh, enjoyed the conversation and uh, yeah thank you <laughs>